Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party, an Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's the day treating you? It's going really well, Shay. It's quite a busy week right before the holidays, yeah. but a lot to look forward to. A lot to look forward to, but you hit the nail on the head. It is a busy week. We're on an awkward recording time right now to work around the schedules, but we're still going to bring some good Apex content. Today, we are looking at arenas and how you can maximize your chance of climbing the ranks and split two over the holidays while well, you got some time. Before we do any of that, though, we want to make sure you join us on Discord to chat Apex, find teammates, and receive third-party updates. Links in the description. Also, nice little announcement, Spotify released a review system. So please go leave a five-star review on Spotify. It helps with our discoverability. We have not figured out if there is a, uh, or we know that there is not a, like a leave a comment kind of thing to answer questions, but we very much would appreciate it if anyone listening on Spotify could take this time to leave a five-star review. It means a lot and would help us a ton. Thank you. Even more exciting than yes. more review systems is we are thrilled to announce that we are having our first ever private server Apex Legends tournament. We have a confirmed date, January 29th, 28th, um, <laughs> and the way that you can join is become a patron. So there's a link in the description, become a patron. Uh, right now, the teams will be comprised of patrons only as a really special thank you to them for sticking with us for almost two years now. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. There's yeah. going to be more information coming out soon in terms of rules and competition and prizes and things like that. But if you have any questions, you can ask them in the discord and we're really excited to get this set up it's gonna be so much fun i'm either ready to watch everyone kill each other or <laughs> i'm ready to do some killing myself haven't decided yet if the hosts will be uh competing if there's going to be space for us or not so we'll see but dude we've been thinking about doing something like this for a long time and it is beyond exciting for i think this opportunity to finally come around essentially totally with that though let's dive into the news First piece of news, we got a new rank split. Tune in to our holiday special for a meta recap on how to perform well on World's Edge. This rank is coming out on Saturday. Obviously, World's Edge is the next ranked map this season. Super excited. We're going to talk about it a ton on Saturday, so we don't need to really say a ton right now, I think. But I do want to get what were your first impressions of playing on Stormpoint? This kind of first split and first impressions of having the map in rotation. Yeah, I... We've talked about it before. Like Stormpoint a lot. Mm -hmm. um, very, very different uh, totally. from World's Edge. Um, honestly, different from any map. That's one of the reasons that we like uh, all the new maps in Apex, that they really are distinct, which is something that, I mean, after World's Edge, we kind of thought we were going to get more of the same, but then Olympus was a curveball. Stormpoint was a curveball. Um, but I do have to admit that this season was the least amount of ranked I've ever played mm -hmm. since the beginning. And that is not a fall of Stormpoint, but more a personal choice. I was going to echo um, the same thing. <laughs> so yeah. I just had to put that out there. Um, but I really, I enjoy the map. Yeah, this was the craziest uh, split of work, I think, for both of us in terms of our jobs outside of podcasting definitely cut into the rank time uh, but every match i played on Stormpoint was totally fun like you said it is a very different vibe and i really liked it 
I thought it was a really cool map. I enjoyed all the games, and I think that it is a map that's built quite well for ranked and comp into the future. And I'm excited to see what the esports scene looks like over there on Stormpoint. But always happy to have World's Edge back. It's always a fan favorite. Everyone gets excited. Obviously, Twitter is uh, going crazy this morning with everyone making their return, which I don't know. Storm, this last split was great. So I don't know why everyone left, but you know. I'm happy to have anyone back that left. So anything else though before we keep this rolling? No, that's it. Sweet. Next piece of news, the end of year sale is live now with some older popular skins coming back into the shop before the end of the year. Uh, gotta give a little shout out to the Memoir Noir Path skin. That's a must buy if you are a Pathfinder main and looking to spend some money on a skin with your holiday Apex coins that maybe you're getting for Christmas. Because I think you actually did you say it on one of the like the last episode where it is the best like intro animation of any I skin? Think you it think? is. Yeah, yeah, that thing's fire for sure. Uh, I, I always ask anything that's going to tickle your fancy, get you to cough something in the store right now. Uh, no, I think we've been chaining together a lot of sales though i feel like black friday holiday new mm-hmm. year we're just slamming them but yeah tis the season tis the season for the holiday sale i mean i wish the sales were a little bigger maybe than more so the full price just re-rotate Fair. in but you know yeah, that's neither here nor there so <laughs> let's keep the news rolling though uh like we kind of said last year and reiterating it this year, just so everyone knows, the Respawn team is largely on vacation until the new year from, I believe, was the date the like 18th-ish, 19th-ish yeah, till the new year? Yeah, it's kind of a staggered year. start. St- but, yep. Staggered, yep, a little bit. Um, and we got a nice little tweet from Josh Medina, one of the last guards of Apex producers, one of the last OGs. Uh, he said, before I go full vacation mode, what do you guys want to see us do in 2022 for Apex or go deeper on? The following is in progress, as you all know, cross progression and next gen console support. I will start in 2022. I want us to do more LTMs or game mode variants. So obviously with this tweet we know that one thing next gen was scheduled to come out this year so this is a little bit of a delay and this is kind of the closest thing we have to an announcement of that Um, cross progression you and i have been looking forward to it for a long time gonna be really exciting if it ever comes around but let's key in on what he was kind of talking about there with what he wants to do game mode variants it's kind of something we've been flirting talking about for a while now and could be really exciting what are some of your thoughts on hearing that wording used by an actual producer this is really, really exciting. Um, it was the end of season seven or eight that we mm-hmm. first got some serious leaks and in-map teasers that there was going to be some sort of domination or team deathmatch on Olympus. So it's been a long, long time now going mm-hmm. into season 12 and maybe getting that actualized. Um, but this is the thing that we love the most. I think this is great. Um, we've kind of come to the realization that Apex is a battle royale mm-hmm. and that that is really where 80 or 90% of the players are always going to stay. And so I understand why this isn't the top, top priority, priority. Yeah, uh, now. Yeah. Before, we didn't feel that way. We thought no, that before this we is we were the future. Like, we can, got to push. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But now I think we've come to... A better realization. What I find interesting is that this entire year we have pretty much had a drought of LTMs, mm-hmm. and it seems that it's been replaced by arenas. And to me, that's odd because we keep 
hearing, well, recently we've seen some people leave, but over the last year or so, EA has been building out new offices, Mm -hmm. hiring a ton more people. And it's odd to me that something like arenas would replace LTMs or, you know, town takeovers for that matter. Like uh, you wouldn't assume that the same people are having to make a choice between content. So it's odd to me, but always excited for the promise of new LTMs and new game modes. Yeah, I mean, arenas, obviously, it it took some manpower to create. And then you had someone obviously working on the rank system, and then we got some more maps. So that obviously took some of the attention away from, I think, maybe some of the other stuff that goes into the BR. But maybe now that arenas is, in theory, maybe closer to what it's supposed to be, there's some changes we're obviously hoping for still. Uh, Maybe some of those people have time to do more of those LTMs and game mode variants. I do like the differentiation between the two. Like to me, game mode variant sounds more exciting where it's like, oh, is that like a permanent thing like versus an LTM essentially? And so, yeah, maybe TDM, maybe domination. Super excited to see if anything like that gets rotated in. I think we're planning on kind of talking about that a little bit uh, coming up here in the future. So we don't need to go too deep today. But last piece of news for the day, we got a little year in review from the at play Apex Twitter, which is really, really fun. We love statistics. Maybe our guy Emre threw this one together. Uh, it was quite exciting to see, but we got 22 billion legends killed this year, 1 billion legends respawned, 27 million Nessies placed, and 175 million thank yous, which I like that. Those are good vibes. 27 million Nessies and 175 million thank yous. We do have some good people in this community that are spreading the solid vibes. <laughs> yeah, I think these are fun. You know, being myself, I looked at all the numbers and I was like, all right, how can I calculate <laughs> how many players have played Apex this year? And they didn't give enough information. And was we like, what's know. the thank you to kill ratio? Like yeah, how what's the percentage of players that are very nice? You know? I tried. I tried, <laughs> but couldn't do it. Um all we know is people are doing a great job finishing teams and not letting rats get away um, and respawning. So that's a good thing. But other than that <laughs> No actual actionable data has come from this announcement. Very much just a a for fun. Nice little Uh recap, though. Uh, Cool to see, though. Uh, With that, though, let's dive into our little ranked arenas map guide, essentially, today with a little bit of an overall holistic view at the start. I'm excited to talk about this. We've kind of been dancing around doing ranked arenas again for a little bit now just because the popularity has kind of come and go with it. But with the new split, now's as good a time as any. Totally. So with the holidays, it means that probably more games for the most of us. And as Apex fans, we're in luck. We have a mm-hmm. World's Edge Battle Royale ranked split and then less than a week of Winter Express left to keep us more than satisfied. However, with no new limited time mode or town takeover and no major legend balancing this season, perhaps you, the listener, are turning to arenas over the holiday break. New content, if you haven't played it in a while, essentially. Essentially? That's <laughs> what we're telling you. Um, so we kind of just want to do a, an overall breakdown, and then now that we have four solid actual arenas maps, we're going to do a full guide breakdown. Mm-hmm. So to kick things off, what matters in arenas? 
This is the only isolated version of Apex where you truly get to control and understand combat. No third parties, mm-hmm. okay? It's just a really upfront 3v3. It's it's the only time in Apex Legends outside of maybe like final two teams in the ring fully healthy that you know the constraints of the enemy in terms of econ versus your econ and it's just 3v3 nothing else to worry about at all so it's pure it's pure gunfight in that way which obviously good and bad you know Mm -hmm. in terms of how you play totally very like even playing field which is definitely Mm -hmm. a struggle even to the point of having the same armor as something that in a battle royale you don't really have that luxury. Even in the mm-hmm. end game, you may not have that. Well, in the end game, you don't know what heals the enemy has. You know, no. you don't know, is it a 3v2? Like, what are you working mm-hmm. with? Are all the other... Yeah, it gets complicated. <laughs> and so speaking of that, when you're in a situation where you have a pretty even playing field, what matters? You know, number one, trying to turn the tables and mm-hmm. control the things that you can to get an advantage is going to be critical. What Mm -hmm. that means is the economy of arenas. You have to be getting the materials in order to give yourself an edge on abilities or weapons via the buy system. The other thing that's important is winning your ones. So in a 3v3 situation, you do not want to sacrifice yourself and you want to make sure that you're doing your third of the damage every single round. Mm Mm-hmm. If you don't do your third of the damage, you have let the team down, you know? Like, if you go into a 1v1 in a perfect world, the worst case situation for you should be a trade, which does not happen in Apex very often. But really, your mentality needs to be, get that person down, and if you get them down, you then getting out is the bonus, essentially, Mm -hmm. for the team. Yeah, that's how you win. So that matters. Um, But... We're going to go as in-depth as possible. We've done an entire episode on kind of the meta legends Mm -hmm. and the buy system. Essentially, what we're going to do today is we're going to try to look at it from a pretty serious standpoint with a ranked lens, talk specifically about the maps, and then say what buys and what legends are going to be most effective on each map. Mm -hmm. And the first thing we're going to take a look at is the base materials that you receive each round. You start round one, the most important round, at 550 materials. That then goes up to 800 in round two, up to 1150, 1500, 1750, and then 2000 in round six. After that, it doesn't really matter, to be honest, what the base is, because at that point, you've gotten a ton of kills that have compounded, and Mm -hmm. the actual materials that you'll have in round seven, yeah, yeah, it's... Mm -hmm. Not really a good point to discuss. Plus, hopefully you're finishing games before round six. Now, options that you have to spend those materials are going to depend on your legend and are going to depend on your map. And that's Mm -hmm. really the whole point of us doing this episode is to say your strategy and tactics should change in arenas on a map-to-map basis. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm couple choices for first round buys and this is the important one that we'll circle back around and kind of say what your options are but Mm -hmm. a little bit of an intro is round one is the hardest round and it's also the most important round because if you can 
secure the eco, if you can secure the win in round one, you have a massive advantage and you want to be able to close teams quickly because mm-hmm. as arenas goes on longer and longer, you go from blue to purple, people get better weapons and the playing field gets more even and more even. So those early rounds are where skill is the most influential. Yeah. I look at it as you have two main objectives in round one. Like you kind of mentioned winning the round or winning the eco, and you have to do at least one of those. If the other team gets the eco and then kills you, you are on a huge back foot, but you should go in with your team kind of in mind, like, Hey, maybe we do all for this first round kind of split up. Everyone grabs an eco as fast as possible. And then you take potentially the L, but you had the huge advantage now in crafting, and that might be worth the risk, or vice versa. You stick together, hope the other team takes that risk and get a quick little dub. So it's yeah. hard to win both of those once you get into kind of the higher level lobbies and trying. everyone's trying to win as best possible, but understand that you need to accomplish one of those objectives at the very least in round one. Totally. And the truth is, if the loadouts that we discuss here in a moment don't really appeal to you play eco in the first round it's worth it especially Mm -hmm. in arenas even though round one is really really important if you go hard on eco and maybe get two or three canisters you can sacrifice round one it Mm -hmm. is okay Mm -hmm. you gotta win round two though and so hopefully getting Mm -hmm. the eco will help you do that Mm -hmm. so last time we talked about arenas We kind of shared our thoughts that arenas is overwhelming, and maybe that's why it's not super popular, that you have so many choices that even the idea of being able to choose your loadout and your throwables and your heals and your abilities, even how like freedom and how much liberation that is, that takes a lot of effort to think about and Mm -hmm. do math and all this stuff. And one of the errors that we see a lot of players have at all skill levels is In round one, they will pick something like a flatline or Havoc or an R301. And the truth is, all those weapons are good, but their base with no mag is not good. And Mm -hmm. yes, you can still use them and play support on your team. But if one of your objectives is winning your ones, those weapons are incredibly difficult to use in that situation to win your ones. I mean, if you've listened to all the weapon breakdowns, you know the accuracy percentages for common mags and how difficult it can yeah. kind of get with these full auto guns. That's not a position you want to put yourself in, uh, in terms of having the likeliest chance to succeed on a round to round basis. Yeah. You don't really want to, in a really controlled situation like this, require yourself to one clip somebody yeah. when you're going up against a weapon, maybe like the wingman that could hit headshots and completely decimate you. That would hurt. So round one, still, we're going to give some tips here finally. That was a lot of intro, but these are weapons that are, yes, hard to use, but are probably better than the base of an AR or an SMG. Mm -hmm. The first one I think is a favorite this season after the balancing um, and kind of the prices of both of these, and it's the blue RE45 with the bruiser and then a Mozambique, just base. I really like this loadout. Um, I the think bruiser. That the, it's mm-hmm. really, really good. Mm-hmm. The RE45 is kind of a, 
a temptress in some ways because you think full auto pistol, pretty affordable. I can mm-hmm. do work with it. When we break down the numbers, you really have to hit your shots. It is not a very forgiving weapon, but the fact that you have a ton of mobility, fast reload, and it's full auto means that for most maps, this is a really solid option and for most legends. So this is kind of like my go-to recommendation as of now. Yeah, it's a very universal choice and that like like you kind of said the re45 fits with every legend there's not really a legend where it's like oh i'm using an re45 that's really too bad and like we said even if you're playing rampart you're not buying an lmg round one you know you you don't really want to put yourself in that situation still that we talked about earlier so i think this is a good one for sure my favorite on the list on our list is still this it's still the third one though coming up here for arenas I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next one would be the blue Mozambique and then the P2020 base and then maybe some grenades. Mm-hmm. Um, the blue Mozambique for a lot of people is the Bible when it comes to arenas that this is just how you do it. A lot of people still don't know the Mozambique is fully automatic. So in close, close quarters, it's really mm-hmm. good. And even though you do have to hit your shots, the Mozamp having kind of that same base damage as a wingman, but a lot more forgiving in terms mm-hmm. of doing some damage is a really good option in a real vacuum of very competitive gun skill. Yeah. Looking at these first two, and we'll talk about it later with the maps, but this one does come down to maps for a lot of time. If you are going in with the Mozam on a map that's kind of got some longer range of sights, you could be at putting yourself at a slight disadvantage versus maybe that blue RE45 with a bruiser. So it might come down to that for you. And I think that's a really good differentiator to understand. And we'll explain that further later. Yeah. And so now this is one of Shay's favorites. This is Love a it. loadout that I was dying on a hill on. Um, in season 10, I really mm-hmm. felt like this was the best option you could have in arenas. I still feel it's very strong, but the current state of the RE45, I'm having a hard time pulling away from. That's but fair. the loadout is purple P2020. P2020 is very difficult to use for some. However, the rate of fire is very good. Base damage is very good. Headshot multiplier, quite good. Mag size is incredible. Mm-hmm. But the best thing is for a purple P2020 with a digi threat, you're looking at a cost of 200 materials. Crazy. Now that allows you to do a lot of things. So mm-hmm. on top of that, I've really liked the P2020 more over than the Mozambique because of the range. Like you said earlier, on a lot of maps, longer lines of sight, you want a P2020 that can do some damage and have kind of the mag size to hold corners. And some forgiveness as well, even up close, like with the the larger mag size for sure. And the Mozambique does not have that. Mm -hmm. Harsh reload, not the huge like magazine size, even though it's a shotgun, P2020 is my go-to. But the price of this P2020 allows you to get a whole lot of bang, including the digi threat, and invest in abilities in the Mm -hmm. first round, which can give you a massive advantage. Some of my favorite things to do are play Loba and get the black market. And maybe you get the meds, not super critical in round one, mm-hmm. but play the care package weapons. Yeah. You completely could. And so then you're going into a situation where it's potentially a blue Volt versus a blue Mozambique on the other team. Yep. Very, very powerful. Nice and this to have. allows you to do that in round one. Mm-hmm. You can also pick up another Bloodhound scan, get some fuse tacticals. 
and or get some grenades on top of that in round one, which yeah. is a really powerful thing. And that, that's why I love this loadout. I'll go purple P2020. And then depending on the legend, you have some good examples in there. But most of the time for the legends I play, I'll just stack nades. And so round one, I'll be able to, I feel like, decimate some folks with nades who aren't really expecting that grenade spam that early in the game personally. But I do think all of these options that we're talking about right now are truly solid. Last one that I have to mention um, is probably the loadout that I use when I feel like I'm in the biggest mismatch. Like if I just feel like I can't compete with the enemy team in a close quarter situation because I'm on controller and they just got crazy movement or they're just preds and I'm scared, I'm going to go with the Rampage and the Mozambique. And yes, it's base. Um, probably not going to get a Thermite in round one because you can't mm-hmm. afford it. But you're playing Rampart or Gibraltar or even somebody like Loba. The Rampage is really, really good because it does some decent damage. It has a decent mag size. Um, but when you're going up against really aggressive players that want to get in your face and use the Mozambique or the wingman, perhaps Mm -hmm. being able to just hip fire and have a huge magazine size in a lot of cases gives you the best chance at succeeding, knowing that the enemy will miss their shots because their weapons are a lot harder to use. Man, when when I said don't play with LMGs, I just forgot the rampage existed in my head for a second. Like you can't not use this gun yet. That's the exception to anything I'm going to say. This gun is We've been trying to get people to use it for a very long time now, and it's finally getting some of the attention it deserves in the meta. Um, yeah, this one this one will work. Like for all the reasons Henry said, it's a killer right now. And then last kind of overall recommendations, maybe honorable mentions, would be the Wingman, which is mm-hmm. you know definitely a favorite uh, for a lot of reasons, but it does tank a lot of your cost and you don't get any bells and whistles like Mm -hmm. you don't get a digital threat you don't get any grenades no magazine no optic base if you're gonna buy the wingman just be a really confident wingman player like i'm not gonna knock you if like the wingman's your favorite gun use it every game when you play br so you decide to buy it round one of arenas but if you are kind of like the middling level i think the average apex player probably stay away from the wingman because of the lack of forgiveness that the gun has. Yeah. And then the second kind of honorable mention might be a white 3030, very affordable. And then maybe you add a P2020 to that. Both the wingman and the 3030 are harder to use because they don't give you that kind of close quarters forgiveness, but each of them have really powerful headshots where in the first round, if you do want to play a little bit more passively, you can win the war of attrition by just whittling down their healables really, really quickly with both these weapons. Can you do it easier with the rampage? Yes, but Mm -hmm. still honorable mention. Honorable mention for a reason. And the repeater. Mm -hmm. No doubt, no doubt. Now, a little bit of a recap on what we think the meta weapons are round three onwards. And this is kind of up to you in terms of optic and where you're spending your materials. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we say, invest in one weapon. Don't try to go two ways um, to try to get an SMG and an AR and upgrade them both. Not really doable until like a round nine sudden death situation. So, and this is kind of based off of 
our experience in arenas, what we've talked about before on the show, and what we've done in our weapon breakdowns, as well as the cost of these weapons in mm-hmm. arenas. And that's the important part as well, the cost. Because I do think, make sure, like there's a couple on this list that people will be like, wait, but that's not as good at that. Well, might be as good of it yeah. when we talk about the price, especially if you do maybe overbuy early or uh, run into some eco problems against a team that's kind of dominating that part of the game. Yeah, and this list is a lot of different classes of weapons, a lot of different types, but... It's in an order that I think is really good. So yeah, yeah. this is kind of in descending order in terms mm-hmm. of power and maybe preference. Mm-hmm. Rampage, R301, Flatline, Volt, Car, Eva 8, Triple Take, RD45, Hemlock, Wingman, and then the L-Star is still in there. Just barely, just barely squeaked in there for the rankings today. <laughs> it defined arenas for the longest time. It's definitely still decent, mm-hmm. but I think I'm glad that it's not completely dominating the game yeah. mode. Uh, it's in a really good spot in terms of its price and its power. I'm feeling good about it. And something I like to always mention when we talk about guns and I'll reiterate here, because it's even more important than arenas than BR is like, this is our preference. This is our order of how we have things. But if you look at this list or hear the list, because we're a podcast, geez, and you say, oh, flatline, I can't really shoot straight with that. I can't hit my shots. It's not going to be as good for you. Like, that's the most important thing in this game is making sure you're choosing the guns that you are most confident with and you can succeed with. So, yeah, if you are like, oh man, I absolutely do love playing with the car. Like that's like one of my favorite guns. Yeah, that can climb the list for you because that's the most important thing in arenas for the most part is can you hit your shots? It's the most important thing in Apex in general, but it's just amplified in arenas. Totally. Now, last bit of kind of overall tips uh, Mm -hmm. before we go into a per map breakdown. I want to talk about the most relevant legends and the least relevant legends. But before we do so, Shay was talking about how one of his favorite buys is in round one, getting the purple P2020 and then going grenades. Mm-hmm. That is a really good strategy. And the reason being, arenas is not an abilities focused mode. It really isn't. And that is a shock to us um, just because this is Apex Legends. It's kind of all about the legends. Mm-hmm. But Arenas is way, way predicated on the weapons and throwables. Mm -hmm. So the legend choice isn't the end-all be-all. But as we've talked about in our previous episode about arenas, look at those passive abilities, look at those Mm -hmm. tactical abilities, because in that order, they're going to make an impact on the gun play of arenas. Well said, well said. Now, the most relevant legends, we have Bloodhound, Valkyrie, Lifeline, Bangalore, Horizon, Loba, Fuse, Gibraltar, Seer, and Rampart. Great legends. Couple of spicy legend. takes, but really good legends that honestly are geared to perform well in arenas. Yeah. And like you kind of mentioned, look at the passives first. If you're unsure on who to pick, like if you are confused on who to pick, then you don't have to worry about it if you go passive. Like I love Valk, Lifeline, and Bangalore. Those are my three most played arenas legends because I get to go into the game without really a concern for how I'm going to think about using the abilities. I just get to focus on shooting people straight. And yeah. th- that's the most important thing for me 
But I do think like the rest of this list are all great options. And we start to look at tacticals as potentially the reason for choosing people like Fuse or like Seer potentially. And that's really important. Yeah. Now the least relevant legends, we have Wraith, Pathfinder, Octane, Ash, Caustic, Mirage, Watson, Revenant, and Crypto. And Mirage. Maybe, you know, you feel this is kind of a harsh list, but like Shay said, we're really looking at passive abilities. And when we think about the idea of winning a one situation or having a priority of sticking with your team in arenas, it doesn't really matter a legend if you are in a situation where you're in a 1v2, 1v3, or you're leaving your teammates in a situation where they're down a teammate. Mm-hmm. And the truth is a legend like Wraith, maybe Pathfinder, Octane, even Ash with the ultimate kind of encourage that kind of situation. And that play style loses rounds and loses games. So well, you need to, if you're mobile and in arenas, one thing we like is making sure you can go both directions. Loba mm-hmm. kind of the exception because we do truly like her ult a lot in arenas, but like with Valk, you can go up and come down. You can go forward, come back in the jetpack most of the time with path, with wraith, with, uh, uh, my gosh, Ash, you're one way in and that's it. You're, there's no retreat, essentially. I mean, we don't really count the Wraith portal. We don't use that a ton in arenas personally, but maybe there's a couple folks out there. <laughs> it's it's hard. It's hard to use. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of comes down to it too. When abilities aren't really the focus of arenas and shouldn't be where you're putting all your effort into, you want to focus on gun skill. So don't choose a legend that's really hard technically. Mm-hmm. And you have to think about it and focus on you know, your bumpers and not your triggers. Yep. Yep. Well, that is the uh, general recap, at least of arenas for a little bit of ranked. But before we get into each map, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back. You ready for the map breakdown? I am. Let's do it. We're going to start with Party Crashers. Uh, Party Crashers, really awesome map in terms of like lore. Like it's one of our favorites, I think is pretty fair to say. Um, and its main feature is the crashed Mirage Voyage, which makes up half that map. Uh, the opposite half contains this two-story building area with a central staircase. And then you got two sides connected by a very low bridge. And I, I do like the flow of this map. And this is one of those ones where you look at like, hey, there are some longer ranges of sights on this one and in terms of especially in terms of where you actually fight because that's a really important thing to know is that there's some maps where there's really long ranges of sight but that's not where people fight and that's kind of where it comes down to when we break down this mode yeah absolutely i think that probably one of the more fun maps um it's very much dependent on what side the ring shrinks i think it's like almost two maps in itself just because Mm -hmm. they're so different um but if we look at kind of our recommended legends the first one being valkyrie and we would argue that this is probably her strongest map in general just because of the short range vertical changes then we have horizon for a lot of the same reasons gibraltar rampart bangalore and loba and so these choices are essentially because of the vertical changes they get on Mm -hmm. the roof of Mirage Voyage or on the other side on the building. Um, but also you have very, very open supply bins on this mm-hmm. map. And so having things like smoke, bubbles, black market boutique um, are really going to come in handy in the early rounds and the middle of late rounds. Mm-hmm. 
And this is one of those maps where the rotation from each side is very tough. So that Gibraltar, so that Bangalore, they really do come in handy in those situations. There's a couple maps where there are kind of these conflict and fighting points in the middle of the map. This map is not really one of them. One team will just stay on the high ground and shoot people coming across the bridge. And that's a recipe for success here. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Kind of a fun fact, even though this map is really, really defined by the long range roof to roof, roof to roof fights. Um, mm -hmm. It has the most indoor space in terms of square footage out of any of the arenas maps. So that doesn't really define the gunplay, honestly, mm -hmm. just because you do have that situation, like you said, Jay, about, well, if one team is on the roof, they're not really going to go inside yeah. to take a close range fight they're probably just going to take the other team out as they approach them and so even when you go fight on the ship side most of the time both teams are just on the roof shooting each other it's not often yeah. you're fighting actually in the underneath area of mirage voyage so it it's really an interesting case study of how a map actually is designed versus how it's played it's really cool now loadouts buys um back in the day I would say that this was the G7 map, <laughs> but we no longer have Rip. nice things. So we're going to say round one is where we're going to focus our efforts. And I think that you want to go with the full auto, blue, RE45, Mozambique, um, just for closing the distance, trying, especially on the, the ship side, or the purple P2020 and grenades. Um, mm -hmm. Really solid loadouts to give you that range flexibility. Um, of course, our honorable mention, 3030 on the wingman are also viable here. But for the most part, I think if your team's using these loadouts, you're going to be successful. I agree 100%. Let's keep it rolling, though, and talk about Phase Runner. So, Phase Runner, you got two very distinct halves. The first half contains two working Phase Runners, obviously, which you can use those to quickly move from the spawn to the your kind of fighting side i guess uh, and the exit is located above the ground at a height which most legends cannot normally access the second half contains a construction site uh, and that's centered around the large tower which hosts some supply bins at the base and the center of the map is really open but you do have a little bit of that cliff area and some other cover it's one of those maps where the middle the fight from point a to point b on the other side there is this actual like cover you can play in between which is really important when looking at how you play this map uh, this is another one that's quite solid and has a lot of fun strategies that really do come down to the map design like the grenade spam coming out of the phase tunnel uh, you don't really get that kind of a fight uh, in terms of it on any other map here no you really don't um i, I categorize this as one of the more difficult maps um mm -hmm. to play on um for that reason that it just kind of every round can be really really different and sometimes you'll get into a situation where every ring will go on one side and you're kind of doing the same thing over and over again when maybe your legend choice was to maybe play more in the open and instead you're playing close quarters. So it has that dichotomy, which I think is a challenge for a lot of players. Mm -hmm. But the legend lineup that we recommend, number one, I think this is Rampart's best map. Agreed. As mm -hmm. weird as that may sound to a lot of players that don't know who Rampart is, doesn't don't have her unlocked, like this is her strength. And the reason being, on the portal side, she dominates the footbridge between the teams. Um, just 
The amped cover works great. The rampage is incredibly strong in this because it's that medium to long range weapon. Um, this is where Rampart shines. Yeah, this is her bread and butter. Next going to be Lifeline. Um, kind of similar reason. You kind of have those medium to long range fights where you're almost in two different bases on each side of the map. Um, and that allows Lifeline to have the opportunity to get a passive res, um, which is an incredible advantage. Then we have Gibraltar, Bloodhound, and Bangalore. Really touched on the rationale for this, but the map is very much defined by that one footbridge. Having legends that can cross that gap, hold ground, is really going to be key. So mm -hmm. Bangalore is a great call for that. Gibraltar is a great call. And then Rampart and Lifeline, Bloodhound also are going to fit that. So I think those are really good recommendations. Um, there are a lot of players that like playing Valk or Pathfinder or Horizon in order to kind of trick the portal system. Not a real Not a huge tactical advantage, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> it is something you can do, certainly, but don't let that tempt you to sacrifice some of the benefits that somebody like Bangalore, Gibraltar can bring yeah. on this map. I don't think I've ever won a game on this map because I flew back through the portal with Valk. No, no. My experience, if there's any exceptions, I would love to hear it. I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to talk about like new maps that they might make for arenas because we have so many cool features outside of just the totally. phase runner totally. like we have sniper towers that go up and down walls mm. that go up and down like charge towers we could get crazy in arenas we could get wild next couple of loadouts on this one because this is a ramparts map honestly you can disagree you don't have to play rampart but if you like rampart this is your map for that reason, the Rampage is very, very strong, just given the entire environment and Rampart being the queen here. Mm -hmm. Then AR, SMG, Wingman, Marksman are going to be really good as well. Maybe in you know, mm -hmm. round three and four. Um, this is a longer range map in those middle situations, but you want to have the AR, SMG for those really intense battles on the portal side. Yeah, this is the triple take map also. If you're going to go with yeah. it on anyone, this is the one for me at least. Let's keep this rolling though. We got Overflow, which I think we would both agree the best arenas map. Our favorite at least. And it's really cool. It very much has the classic shooter kind of style where it's this three lane map. But then you know, kind of the lore of it, you got an automated mining facility to harvest Branthium on behalf of Hammond Robotics. It's very open with a central system of pathways, as well as the small control room in the center uh, on, I, I don't want to say the right or the left side of the map, because it just depends on what side you start on, but on one side of the map. And that's where a lot of fighting will also end up towards the end of the game. So this is a really cool one. And I think the three lane map structure just makes for really solid play of bouncing back and forth between lanes and making unpredictable plays and it not just turning into a let's poke at each other for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been a proven model uh, for the Call of Duty franchise for, what, two decades? So it works. always happy to see that uh, come into Arena's Legends, though, that we're going to recommend. First one, another spicy hot take right behind Rampart. I think this is Loba's best map in arenas. And this mm -hmm. is where I fell in love with her kit just because the pacing is immaculate. You use the bracelet on either side to dash 
so quickly and so far ahead of your teammates and the enemies in order to secure materials. Then on both sides, you have really great cover to use the black market in order to secure either additional supplies and batteries or weapons from the supply or from the care package. Yeah. I, I will say like, this is the hardest care package to get in my mm-hmm. opinion, like there mm-hmm. it's, it's open and regardless of where you're playing, an enemy will have a shot at you. And so Loba really fits the bill to get those guns on this map. If that's how you like to play arenas. Yeah. I just think that her pace feels so good on this map and it's just, mm-hmm. is such a concentrated environment for her to maximize her support abilities. And mm-hmm. so many people overlook that black market because it's incredible. You know, you can get two batteries and a weapon and all the ammo. That's one person. If another teammate uses it, they can get two batteries and a weapon and all the ammo. So it's so powerful and so cost efficient as well. The ultimate's only 200 materials. Give me a break. As business majors, this is an improved cost-benefit analysis in the pro column for Apex players. (laughs) You have to. You have to do it. Other legends for Overflow, Gibraltar, Bloodhound, Lifeline, Rampart, Seer, and Fuse. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason for a couple of these new additions are Overflow lacks high ground positions like Party Crashers. So Recon and Gunplay are key Mm -hmm. abilities to focus in on. And the location of cover on this map also allows support legends abilities to shine. And you're able to play corners on this map way more Mm -hmm. than others, it feels like, with legends like Rampart, Seer, Fuse, and Gibraltar. Really powerful abilities. The Knuckle Cluster, Seer's passive and tactical honestly shine on this map. No doubt. Loadouts, recommendations. Blue RE45 Mozambique, really strong. Purple P2020 with Lobo's Black Market and or Grenades, um, really strong as well. I think Mm -hmm. the first round buys, definitely solid on this map that you should be using that RE45. Yeah, I think because of the lane nature of this map, this is one where you can snowball a uh, like econ lead in this one because you can split up and get away somewhat easily mm-hmm. on this map and so understanding that the first round is going to be really important to success if you can do something like that is truly key and why those loadouts make a ton of sense let's talk encore though got to be the most difficult map of these four um and so for lore because it's a new one so anyone that maybe isn't totally familiar um founded on the planet boreas boras boreas i hate trying to pronounce things encore is the arena where seer made his name Treated as a cursed outcast after being blamed for his planet's moon, being struck by a meteor, he slowly gathered a following of outsiders who would come to watch him compete. Over time, the Encore Arena became more and more designed to reflect the style of its star competitor. And it's a beautiful design, like in terms of the actual map design. uh, It just plays very difficultly in comparison to some of the other ones. When this map came out, we were stunned. Um, Mm -hmm. because it was quite different. I thought it was difficult. Um, New maps are always fun, of course, Um, but we were just stunned that we were getting an entirely new planet as an arena's map. Mm -hmm. New skybox, new like environment. It's really, really crazy, and I'm excited to see what more they do with this planet, if anything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But the legends. 
Valkyrie is going to be key here. Lifeline, Bloodhound, Gibraltar, and Loba as well. Seer is, of course, a must. Um, and the reason for all these are the map is difficult. On both sides, you kind of have a vertical incline similar uh, to Party Crashers. So Valkyrie mm -hmm. is going to be really nice in order to get that early high ground advantage. But the truth is not a ton of options in terms of where to go, what to mm -hmm. do. You know, if the ring shrinks on the left or right, you have very closed environments of kind of mini three lanes. Or if it shrinks in the middle and you have to cross over the center of the map, you're honestly in trouble. You know, mm -hmm. you have some planter boxes, you have the little underground area where there's some materials, but you need legends that can do well in open space. Yeah. Um, and so Loba even across the gap, Gibraltar, Bloodhound, going to be useful, I'd say. This map more than any to me is one that emphasizes gun skill. It's all open. There's there's cover, but the fact that there's not a ton of verticality just means that you're going to be on an even playing field with most of yeah. the people you fight. And because of that, you got to hit your shots before the enemy hits your shots. Super simple. Like, wow, great advice, Shay. But I, I do feel like that's what it comes down to. In this map, more than any other, you're not going to be able to really use your legends to create a ton of advantage for yourself on this map versus some of the other ones. Yeah, and that's why it's the hardest. Where, yeah, totally. You, know, you come here, you want some tactical advice on how to do well on this map, don't have much for you. You can't really rest on anything except your gun skill. And for that reason, our loadout recommendation, just play eco in the first round. It is too hard to try to go toe-to-toe -to -toe on this map, um, trying to get a tricky loadout or something. I would say either go rampage or... Just play full eco, P2020, and make that your objective round one. I've had some success with the wingman as well on this map, just given the design of the open space, but that's a hard gun to use. So do what you can to play eco on this map, just because of how challenging it is. Very well said, very well said. Have some closing thoughts. What are your what are kind of the the final thoughts on ranked arenas going into this split? We gave some advice, some general concepts. Like Henry mentioned briefly at the top of the show, like if you want very, very, very gun specific advice, you can go back to some of the older episodes. The values have changed on things, but how you still go about using each and every weapon remains the same. So there's some advice there. But I think this is a great guide for legends and how you play and how you play early specifically. And that's going to be how you snowball a lot of success in ranked arenas. I, I have to say, I am happy that arenas now has dedicated maps. I think that it's a really good time for those that enjoy arenas just because you have that. I'm still disappointed with the system that's in place for ranked. Um, I think that it could definitely be improved. You know, we recommend that you certainly have to play with teammates mm -hmm. in a ranked arenas environment. However, I will say that I hope that a lot of players over the holidays, they maybe try out uh, arenas or ranked arenas. I think that because it's a 3v3, it does have solo queue potential. You know, I feel confident in my mm -hmm. own abilities to win my one. And if I can win my one, then we're on a three on two. Then I feel confident in that situation. So much more fun with teammates, but I think for solo play, not the worst thing ever when you compare it to a battle royale where 
There's so many more variables outside of your control. You can win more mm -hmm. solo in arenas than you can in BR. Yeah, yeah, and totally. Appealing. Yeah, well said. That's a, quite a big appeal, especially for there's a large amount of solo queuers. We see them every day. But if you want to avoid solo queuing, join the Discord. Try to find some teammates in there. Can't recommend it enough. Let's wrap up the show, though, with a five-star question coming from BRADG. Hey, guys, love the show. You both are so thoughtful and insightful and are such game changers for an average player like myself. I emailed the show about my Pathfinder Christmas list and would love to hear your perspectives. Wouldn't get through my day without the third-party pod. Keep up the good work. Hashtag play Apex. Hashtag 30. Okay, here is the wish list. I love playing Path, but I feel like so much is missing with Valk's introduction into the games as she's completely outshining Path with her innovative passive. Feels like I've played against Valk in every game, even every team where's my Path, where any Path that I play is a level 500 main. My argument stands where his grapple becomes a passive. This then opens up his tactical for ideas. I have a few, but I'd really like to see his grapple as a passive and possibly getting two grapples like Bang and her smokes. Spider Pathfinder man. Tactical ideas. Staying with recon slash information, he could hack into other where other legends are like a variation of all other recon legends. After all, he is a computer. This could tie into using the beacon while revealing the next thing. Next ring. It also reveals any and all players within it at the time of scan and remains for a short period. Reveals don't travel with the players, just show their location at the time of scan. Or it could reveal the number of players within the scanned ring as a banner. Support tactical idea. Path could be used as a mobile replicator for him and his team by hacking into the system to get any item currently in rotation. Still need to buy, similar to the loot Marvins in previous seasons. Attack, Pathfinder Tactical. Use Path's boxing background as a way to deal damage or stun enemies with a flurry of punches or an extended punch arm. Interesting. What are some of your thoughts? Really, really cool. Thanks so much for reaching out, Brad. Appreciate it. Um, we really want pathfinder to have a unique passive ability mm -hmm. one of the things that we are aware of and hesitant uh talking about is pathfinder is really really strong right now you know very popular top four legend doesn't really need a buff so how do you give him unique power without taking away any fun mm -hmm. without taking away any uh popularity but also give uniqueness this idea for making the grapple into the passive to some might sound like, Ooh, that's going to give him a lot of power. Mm -hmm. But I would say his tactical already is a passive. There is no fixed cooldown on the, his tactical. So you could very, very easily do essentially the same thing as Valk. And instead of fuel, just do grapple duration as mm -hmm. kind of this, recharge and cool down just like it currently is so yeah, i've never really thought about that and i think that's a good idea of swapping them and then having a tactical to introduce a new sort of ability i i prefer the idea of adding a second one i don't think you could and add you could a second that. charge and make it a passive because then you're getting into charges and that's no longer passive yeah. but i think the idea of going spider-man with pathfinder and maybe i'm biased as i just watched the movie but it would be really fun everyone dreams of swinging from spot to spot with pathfinder uh, and that would be really cool but obviously doesn't solve the problem of uh no passive but his mobility is definitely not in a place where he's top dog anymore so you can put some power into him at least in my opinion right now and 
have him still stay in a pretty healthy spot. So I'll, I'm really excited to see the future of Pathfinder or if he kind of just stays where he's at because he's now in that like Bangalore state of just like pretty solid and successful despite maybe yeah. some concerns from people in other spots. Definitely like the idea of having a heat map sort of survey totally. ability. Mm-hmm. That's a very strong passive. I think we've talked about something like that on the show before. Um, that would probably be my favorite. Sounds good. Sounds good. That's going to wrap the show, though. Thank you to our producer, The Third Party 10, who supports us over on Patreon. Subscribe on Apple Pods. Drop a follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star review with your question on Apple Pods. We'll answer on our next episode. Leave a five-star review on Spotify. We really would appreciate it. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod and check out the Discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to The Third Party Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, now. Another squad coming in. Whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs>